All right, everyone, welcome to the newest episode of Heal Thyself. The viewers, the listeners, so much love. I'm very excited today. Some really, really good knowledge bombs come in a good product review, and I'm very excited to have a special guest on um, who's going to dive deep into even a more unconventional conversation than what we're used to, and that's what the show's about. We're not just going to have medically sound professionals, but people who are professionals in every single right that equals our health. And we have to pay close attention to what health is. And it's certainly not just focusing on supplements, but there's so much more. And that's why I bring on these type of uh, guests for all you to really start up-leveling your own life and yourself. All right, so for today's show, today's knowledge bomb, we're gonna talk about the top recommendations for athletic performance. And look, we're not all athletes. I don't think I ever was one. I thought so in high school. But um, there's some athletes that listen to this show, and most of us are not. But I recommend exercise every show. So why not make the most of those exercise sessions? It is one of the pillars of health. So why not let's make the most of it so we can learn how to make those interventions and what we can do to maximize our overall performance and recovery. Really important stuff. So... Here are some of my top recommendations. Number one, a minimum of half your body weight in ounces of water. Actually, that's my recommendation just day to day. But what is my recommendation when you're working out? More than that. I, let's say half your body weight in ounces. Well, let's, let's add about maybe a liter more, even to that number in ounces. So we have so much more proper, adequate hydration going on. So 60% of our body is water about 60%. So it stands to believe how important it is, but it's also implicated in every single enzymatic reaction in our body. Water is the essence of life. We know this, duh. Okay, so if you're feeling thirsty, just know you're dehydrated already. And water quality, of course, is very important. I talk about this all the time. There will be a water show. I promise you that. And water quality is very important. You want to make sure, one, you're not drinking out of plastic bottles. Get yourself a stainless steel or glass bottle. Get a good water filter. Um, again, I have no affiliation with Berkey, but I, that's the one I recommend right now. But there will be other ones that I'm looking into to give you the best comprehensive list in a later show. Um, so remember, and also you can even integrate coconut water into those regimens because they're dense with minerals and that's wonderful too. Or you could just add liquid minerals, which is sometimes what I do because I don't like coconut water that much. So hydration basis. Okay. Let's talk about a, a portion of athletics that no one really focuses on, but should be, and we will be more is how to maximize your gut health. Gut health is implicated in athletic performance. We every day scratch the surface more and more with a new study coming out showing us how important the gut health is to health overall. But I want to get into what gut health does for athletic performance. Well, what's the most important nutrient for your gut health? Fiber. Why do I talk about fiber all the time? Because I know the importance of gut health, right? In naturopathic school, we are taught from day one, when, in your, when you're in doubt of what's going on, treat the gut. And it stands true for so many cases. You don't know what the heck's going on, treat the gut. Most, most likely, most of the time, the dominoes are going to fall. So how do we attenuate local and systemic inflammation? Well, if your gut's a mess, you better believe that local and systemic inflammation, there's a water, there's a fire, there's a forest fire going on in your body and really important intervention to make. But what else? Well, our gut bacteria help metabolize 
break down these nutrients, right? And these nutrients feed our mitochondria. They give us B vitamins that actually plays into that cycle that produces energy in our body. So wh why not pay and pay so much more homage to our gut bacteria and give them more love, give them more fiber, right? Um, the brain and the gut, the brain and the gut, they communicate via the vagus nerve. And we see increased focus, increased mental endurance for folks whose gut function is optimized in communication to their brain. Think about it. Think about last time you were, your just digestive system was not right. You were bloated, you were burping, you had heartburn, all those things. And tell me if you had the clearest mind you've ever had. I guarantee no. And it's because they're connected. All right. Body composition, of course, it's so important in athletic performance and obesity is connected to the gut microbiome. What about blood sugar? Yes, absolutely. Inflammation, again, adding to the fire. Inflammation is the number one enemy for performance and recovery. Sleep, the gut is implicated in these sleep-wake cycles in the production of neurotransmitters like GABA, that really relaxing neurotransmitter. So um, why don't we give more love to our guts, eating more fiber, eating more fiber, eating more fiber. And then it may be implicated in possible hydration status, which is, uh, I, just, I just spoke about water, and essential amino acids. Uh, so again, that's, that's a, an aspect of athletic performance no, no one really touches on, but there is some data coming out more and more about what our gut function does to mirror our athletic performance. Number three, ooh, removing hormone disruptors. How are you going to perform at your best when your hormones are at their worst, right? How do we do that? Well, imbalance of hormones is going to add on to persistent inflammation in the body, right? If there's imbalance, then the whole system is reacting accordingly. So we must make sure we are increasing our muscle building potential, right? Our testosterone is strong as men, but we're not giving our body those excess xenoestrogens. Okay, well, we get some from plastic, but 10,000 times more potent is gonna come from dairy. Dairy will be one of the worst things that you can consume for athletic performance. I will say that again, for the coaches, for uh, the trainers who are listening, for the practitioners, or for just general society. Dairy is one of the worst foods that you can have for athletic performance, period. Why? Because there's no significant evidence that it does anything with the bones, right? Scientifically, the connection between calcium and bone strength is weak. The connection between dairy and bone health is almost non-existent. Look it up, look up the studies. It will shock you. Um, and take an audit of also your personal care products. What else is disrupting your hormones? This is a major one, what we're putting on our skin. So what goes in is gonna be really important for how our hormones are being balanced. So take an inventory of those things too. So again, hormone disruptors, men and women, very important. So I want to share with you some of the uh, evidence-based functional foods for athletic performance. This is really some cool stuff. It's one. Of, it's the most important step in recovery is making sure you're eating correctly. They're called ergogenic foods, right? They help in performance, stamina, and recovery. So when we think of, remember I mentioned inflammation, oxidation is the enemy for athletic performance and recovery. What happens is when, let's say I'm an NBA basketball player and I play a game, I am producing massive amounts of oxidants in the body. And these oxidants can cause a lot of issues if they're not attenuated properly. So if there's massive amounts of oxidation and then I'm going home and eating Chick-fil-A, that's gonna be an issue at attenuating these oxidants and 
reducing my performance, my stamina, and recovery. So for all the folks out there who are into athletics, the delayed onset muscle soreness is a big issue for folks because, I mean, that's the bane of the existence when you start working out. You know, you do some squats and then you're moving around like the Tin Man around the streets of Los Angeles or wherever you are. I can attest to that. That's happened many times to me. But delayed onset muscle soreness is, we have to think about what the point, especially for folks who want to increase their exercise potential or athletic recovery. You want to work out, you want to cause a hermetic response to our muscles, um, and then you want to recover as fast as possible and get back there and do the same thing. That is, that's peak performance. That's what happens. So what we know attenuates this delayed onset muscle soreness. Spinach, spinach is huge at breaking down and negating those oxidants in the body. What about two cups of watermelon pre-workout shown to be protective against this, uh, these massive amounts of oxidants that are built up. Berries, duh, we know that. They're really high in antioxidants. You want high quality berries pre-workout or the watermelon. And remember, smoothies are not good if they have milk. There are studies that show that milk will reduce the antioxidant potential and capacity when the smoothie is of, let's say, blackberries and milk or berries and milk. You never want to have your smoothies with milk, period, unless it's alternative. What about beans and orange slices? Well, these two, especially orange slices during performance, are really important because they help attenuate something called xanthine oxide. Xanthine oxide is the major driver of oxidation in the body during athletic performance. There's also tomato, blackcurrant, tart cherry juice. These are juices that one can take um, before an athletic performance, particularly the tart cherry juice has been shown to improve performance. There was a study on soccer players. They had improved performance on sprints when taking in tart cherry juice, but it's also good at reducing inflammation. What's another important aspect of athletics and recovery and exercise and all these things is nitric oxide. Nitric oxide is what causes our blood vessels to dilate. And that dilation is what causes more blood to go to the muscles that are recruited and needed for performance, and then after feeding those muscles for recovery. Well, what are some of the most powerful inducers of nitric oxide? Beets are one thing that really increase nitric oxide. What you can do is eat them in whole food form 75 minutes before a competition, or as a juice, 20 or 30 minutes before a competition. Both have been shown to increase nitric oxide in performance. Some of the highest nitrate veggies, nitrate is what's really producing this nitric oxide in the body, well, leafy greens. Leafy greens, duh. Why do you think I talk about plant-based diet all the time? It's not just because you feel good, you look good, it's because it's other things too, including athletic performance. Leafy greens, Swiss chard, beet greens, butter, lettuce, cilantro, not butter and lettuce, butter, lettuce, cilantro, rhubarb, and uh, actually some of the highest amounts of nitrates are in, in arugula, which is really cool. So think about it. You, get, you already know about beets. You already know about these leafy greens. You can start, make, you can start thinking about what your pre-workout or pre-competition drink would be like. Um, if you're on the go, let's say hiking, you can eat fennel seeds. Fennel seeds also induce or in high in uh, nitrates and induce nitric oxide. Now, when it comes to essential oils, I will do a show on it. Um, I have my opinions on them. I think they're wonderful. I really do. There is controversy on whether or not they should be ingested or not ingested. Um, because I'm very conservative, I don't ingest them. But there was a study that I came across but ask your doctor about this study that I came across about peppermint oil in 500 milliliters of water, um, one drop before performance increased or workout increased work power 
performance and all measures of respiration, which is really interesting for folks who are really professional athletes or college athletes or high school athletes. One thing that I would absolutely stay away from six to seven hours before a workout is animal-based protein products. You want to stay away for sure. Because what happens, and this is a study I was looking at over the weekend, is that to induce hardening of your arteries, endothelial dysfunction, they gave subjects cheese and chicken sandwich, okay? So you want to stay away from animal products because what that does is it, it, it reduces the elasticity of those blood vessels transiently, but it reduces it such that you're not getting the maximum amount of blood to those muscles that which you want, right? So um, very important to stay away from um, animal products before a workout. Okay, a few more things. Purple grape juice, that's another thing that we've seen that helps increase the time till exhaustion in folks. Um, and again, exercise is hormetic. What I mean by that is it causes a good stress in the body. That's a stress that it's good, we build from it, and then we have another stress, and that's good, and we build from it. That's hormetic response. What we don't want is to attenuate that hormetic response. So you might be thinking, do all of these foods attenuate this hormetic response, and therefore that good inflammation doesn't even reach the peak level that the body needs? And what we see is with whole foods, no, it doesn't. What does disrupt it is when it's in supplemental form. So say we had anti-inflammatory, you don't wanna work out, and take 3,000 3, milligrams of turmeric, or 2,000 milligrams of, of ginger in a capsule, or 1,500 milligrams of bromelain. These are anti-inflammatories which work wonderful in folks who need them or are in pain or with injuries, but you don't wanna take them around a workout because you also want that good level of inflammation happening and you can attenuate, attenuate it with foods. Um, for injuries, folks, uh, I, I read a study over this weekend about apple peel powder shown to be helpful for joint injuries. And I just mentioned something about ginger. Ground ginger was, would be helpful for the muscle inflammation as well as turmeric. And I said the enzyme bromelain, which is found in pineapple juice. But ask your pr practitioner before taking any of these supplements. And of course, uh, one of the last things for helping rebuild is protein. Protein, 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 right? Protein. We love protein in America. Um, well, look. If you're on a plant-based diet and you're eating protein, you are not going to be deficient from protein. That's contrary to belief, vegans have not been shown to be deficient in protein or protein intake by any means. Um, actually have more than adequate amounts per day if you eat a whole food plant-based diet. By whole food, I mean not eating a crappy vegan diet like you know, pizza from the fr freezer and then eating chips and then a Beyond Burger and calling that a day's worth of food. Then, you, then your protein might be messed up, but you want whole food plant-based products. It's really antiquated to think that we need protein from animal products. And of course, look, this is how I talk because I know what the power of plant medicine does or plant-based uh, diet does. So it's important for muscle th synthesis, yes, but pay close attention to the calories. If you're working out, you want to replenish yourself with a good amount. Of, if you're trying to lose weight, you want to reduce those calories. But if you're a guy like me and you want to get nice and big and buff for the beach, um, I really don't want to, but still make sure you're eating enough, enough calories and you're supplementing those calories with quality calories. Please don't go on Instagram and believe those pages that say, well, a Twinkie, uh, a thousand, oh no, 500, 500 calories in a Twinkie is equal to 500 calories of quinoa, completely different.
they, they, they completely look over micronutrients, which is preposterous to me. Um, and if you use a plant-based heavy, a plant-based powder, look for heavy metals. I laid it out in a former episode. Look for that episode, learn, and I put it in a very controversial post, which I'll talk about a little later. Anyway, um, that is my guide to peak performance and just exercise recovery in general. So I really hope that helped. So today's product review is less of a product review, best and worst, but more of an educational piggyback into what I was talking about. So here I have some milk that I found in the refrigerator of the studio, which I have to have a word with whoever put it in here. Uh, this is reduced fat milk. Okay. But I just mentioned what milk does. Remember, you don't want to be using this for athletic performance. The belief that calcium coming from milk is why we drink it is a huge fallacy, huge, huge, huge fallacy almost little to no data that calcium from milk or, or dairy products does anything for bones. Um, it's ludicrous that we think that. It, it, as you can see how powerful the dairy industry is in teaching us that calcium is so important, but calcium from supplements does nothing for the bones. Remember, if your mom has osteoporosis or your grandma has osteoporosis and she's taking calcium, your doctor made the wrong move or whoever recommended it. Anyway, never take your post-workout smoothies with milk, okay? Make sure you're using an alternative plant-based milk. Here I have berries, much better choice at recovery than milk, right? Because like I mentioned, milk has fat, it's got some protein, it's got, uh, it's got the sugar, the, the lactose, and great, on a macronutrient level, that looks wonderful. But what we do know is that it also has other things like antibiotics, like environmental toxins, like pesticides, herbicide, hormones, things that are going to disrupt athletic performance, whereas something like this beautiful box of berries will help feed our blood, open up our blood vessels, increase blood flow to the muscles that need it most, and remember what I said about oxidation, act as an antioxidant, negate those oxidants, and help you heal properly. I mentioned some of the foods. I couldn't bring a whole feast here, but we got some berries. So remember that. Um, yeah, less of a product review and more of just an informative piggyback. Hope that helped. Let's go to this amazing special guest. I can't wait to get into it. This is a conversation I've been wanting to have since day one, and I'm so honored to have her on the show. So let's move forward to the special guest segment. All right, everyone, today's special guest is a very special one. I'll tell you why. We're changing the pace. We're going into relationships. I've been wanting to speak about this since episode one, and now I've been blessed to have Whitney Miller, a love and relationship guru slash coach. <laughs> Thank you for coming on the show. Yeah, I'm so happy to be here. This kind of like randomly happened. Yeah, we need to talk about. Let's do it. Uh, how long have we known each other? Um, probably uh, five minutes. Total. Yeah, Max. Yeah. That's pushing it, probably. So, but I am a firm believer that the universe unfolds stuff, put it right in front of you, mm -hmm. and it was just the stars aligned. Yeah, it did. Okay. It did. I just got off of Aaron Alexander's podcast, mm -hmm. and he connected us via text, and I was like, well, I'm leaving in like 14 hours, so mm -hmm. <laughs> if we can squeeze it in, let's go. Yeah. Right back to Texas, huh? Mm-hmm. Austin. Austin, Texas. So this is a place I have to visit because I hear a lot of good stuff about it. It's amazing. Yeah? It's amazing. It has a big outdoor culture. The food there is incredible. 
everyone's just, you know, a lot of young professionals and it's just like the vibe of the city. Live music everywhere. Yeah, yeah so I hear it's very lively. It's a college town, no? Mm -hmm. Yeah, we have the University of Texas there, which is giant. Yeah, giant. Yeah. So, and how did you like California out here? I love it. This is the, like I said earlier, this is the only other place I feel like I could live. Venice, I could live um, other than Austin. But I'm not in Austin all that often. I travel so much that... Yeah. I never miss Austin, really, mm -hmm. and so every time I go back, I'm always excited. Yeah, so I, I think my viewers and listeners at this point are know, have known that I'm trying to bring them out to California because I just think it's the best place. <laughs> I love it. You yeah, know, well, like, good, because you live here. Yeah, I, no more, like, December and bubble jackets and oh know. yeah because you're from jersey oh yeah no nope. cold mm -mm. Too that's cold. a hell no we that's me. a hell no yeah so um yeah i'm really excited to have you on as i was telling you earlier because part of health as a whole we can't just focus on the individual physical health but what is our relationship to ourselves and each other mm -hmm. right but one of the biggest things and we spend so much time with our partner right so understanding what a, a fruitful partnership is how to how to deal with uh, contention in the relationship or things like that. Um, so you are a coach yourself, right? Mm -hmm. That's amazing. Um, and what sort of do you see just couples who are arguing all the time or wanting to uh, come closer or as you mentioned, even um, couples that are uh, not the ordinary type mm -hmm. of approach to, to partnerships, as we'll talk about later, but w what type of clients do you see? Uh, anything and everything. You know, it's people who have been together for 25 years. It's people who are recently single, people who are in monogamous relationships, polyamorous relationships, open relationships, anything and everything. I think it's, you know, regardless of whatever specific relationship container you're in, there's a lot of overlap and a lot that we can learn from each other. And mm -hmm. so it's like, getting down to communication, getting down to how to start the conversations, how to, you know, help with passion in the bedroom, if that's, you know, weaning off after so many years. And so really all walks of life. Oh, that's beautiful. So, so these people, these folks who are coming in, um, there has to be a common thread. Is there a common thread that you see with people presenting that what is sabotaging these relationships? And I've thought about this so many times for so many years. Um, but is it, is it a big part of ego not showing up uh, with not show, like showing up with a with your ego in, a, in an argument or something? Mm -hmm. What are you seeing? Are there commonalities in these things that are? Yeah, the number one thing I think is communication. People are either too afraid to communicate what they truly want, or they don't really know how, or. And so people get stuck. So they either show up and they get triggered in a situation to where they they can't really see or. Speak to their partner and to get anywhere they start going in circles which I feel like we've all done that you know or pointing fingers and then you can't get anywhere in the conversation or let's say it comes you know sexually and you want to try something new and bad but you don't talk about it so mm -hmm. how is your partner supposed to even know mm -hmm. so how how does one show up in that situation and speak up to or even recognize what they want like you said there's some people who don't even put words into what they're feeling mm -hmm. and, and I know we as men, it's hard for us to be like, oh, these are feelings. What do these mean? Right. To articulate is very difficult. Mm -hmm. um, so what is a way that we can at least become more in touch with what we want, what we, what we want to share with our partners? I think a really good exercise for that to get curious about what you really want in the relationship is to sit down and write down your optimal situation. Like, and think big. Like, think 
past the boundaries of fear. If you didn't have the fear, if you didn't have the I should have or I would have or the programming, if you could construct your perfect relationship, what would that look like? Who would you spend your time with? How much time would you spend together? What type of sex would you be having? Mm -hmm. How often would you be having it? You know, and just get really curious about that because if you don't have any idea of what type of relationship you want, it's hard to have a roadmap to get there. Yeah. Visual mm -hmm. approach, clarity, something. Yeah. Because you can't go in blindly. Yeah, take some time for yourself. You know, that's really important too, is just to take some time for yourself, get curious. What what brings you joy? What makes you happy? What fires you up? What are some things that you feel like closes you off and constricts you? And you can feel that in your physical body. That's something that I talk about a lot is if you get into a you know, emotionally heightened state, you can check in with your physical body because it gives you answers that you know, maybe your mind doesn't give you because it's really easy for us to create all kinds of scenarios and all kinds of stories and assumptions because we're not talking to our partner. Mm -hmm. And so if you feel it like in your throat, maybe you're not expressing something or saying mm -hmm. something that you want to be saying. If it's in your solar plexus, maybe you feel unsafe all of a sudden. So that's why you're not communicating. If it's in your heart, maybe you don't love yourself enough or you're afraid of that love being taken away from you. So there's might be some abandonment you know, issues there. That's incredible. That's incredible in itself because um, I've put a lot of interest and speak a lot about uh, repressed emotions, how that leads to different diseases mm -hmm. and where they're stored. So understanding the physical body and what the mind and feeling is saying. Yeah. That connection is huge. It's so big and we don't do that. I mean, we don't, it's, it's hard for us to do that in any part in our life, but particularly when it comes to something as deep and intimate and vulnerable as a relationship. Yeah. And can you imagine how many people just don't do that themselves? Right. Well, even without a partner, mm -hmm. like, I don't know why my chest feels like this. I don't know why my throat's closed up in yep. this situation. So one awareness, right? Drawing that to yourself and then in a relationship and then being clear, right? So having the courage mm. to speak your truth. Right which can be very difficult. It can, it can be. It's scary for people because they're afraid of maybe rejection or they won't get what they want or their partner's going to leave or you know, fill in the blank with whatever it is, but it's so beautiful when you do. And you know, I can say through having, I was in a open relationship for five and a half years and like I went through the motions of really having challenging conversations when it's scary as hell to do that. Right. right. But usually when you go into a challenging conversation and you sit down and you're like, OK, I really do want to speak my truth. You feel so much. You feel freedom yeah. from that. And you actually like the vulnerability is what creates connection between you and your partner or anyone in your life for that matter. So if you can come and kind of open up to the situation and let them know how you feel and receive, give them a safe place to talk about what they are feeling as well then you'll feel closer with your partner after yeah. that fact. And I always like to say when you come into a situation like that, like set the intention of the talk to just get down to greater clarity. Mm -hmm. Like our intention here is to communicate as best as we can, speak our truths and just get down to clarity. Yeah. And then, but I, I can imagine that people are fearing conversations like that, like you said, because, oh no, am I going to push away my mm -hmm. partner? What are they going to think of me? You know, where's the judgment in this? Yeah. Um, so, Really, like you said, reemphasizing 
the liberation behind it. Yeah. It's like taking off a brick book bag, right? It is. It takes so much weight off of you and you feel lighter and you're able to, you know, fully express your love and fully express the love that from your partner because if we're holding ourselves back in any area of our life, we're going to do that with our partner. We're not going to be able to communicate. We're not going to be able to love. We're not going to be able to open up sexually to them. Mm -hmm. All of these things are, you know, play a role with each other. I love that. <laughs> yeah, no, that, that vibes because conversations like this make me think about my life and my relationships mm -hmm. as a whole. Totally. Right. And, and seeing what the themes are. I, I'm, I, I am a firm believer that relationships give us the opportunity for relativity. Mm -hmm. And with relativity, we can see with a mirror the things we don't want to see or we're not ready for. And then just go around that mirror and just yell at our partner instead. Right. Or accept what's being shown to us, those triggers, you know, those scars that we have from childhood that we don't want to touch, you know, those are really tough ones. Mm -hmm. um, when do you believe that folks go into relationships looking for completion from another person and, and then like, like filling a certain void? Because um, I seem to think that's a really pathological process in relationships because as we do that, then we start identifying with the person mm -hmm. and, and then God forbid they break up, then who am I? Right. What am I? Your whole world ends. Your whole world ends. So do you have any advice for um, people who want to get into relationships? Is it important for them to explore who they are first? Absolutely. Right. Without a doubt. Yeah. For sure. I mean, the, the relationship will do that. It will bring out your triggers. It may bring out your childhood traumas, um, whatever is there, whatever's hidden, it will bring that to the surface. And so you get the decision to say, no, I'm not going to look at that. I'm going to suppress it and continue to suppress it and sweep it under the rug and like, eh, I just won't look at it for a while. Or it's like, mm, interesting, if I have that wound there and someone pokes it, it hurts. But if you don't have that wound and there's, you know, a healed process and someone pokes it, it doesn't hurt anymore. Mm -hmm. And so when these challenging situations come up, getting really curious about that and looking at what may be triggering you. And, you know, if you are getting into a relationship, I would say for sure, look, look into yourself and look at, you know, how you, what fears do you have that maybe don't even deal with love, you wouldn't think. Are you, mm -hmm. Do you have a fear of singing? So are you afraid of fully expressing yourself, you know? And that is going to relay into your relationship. Um, do you have a fear of maybe you don't stand up for yourself enough in business? That's going to relay into your relationship. So start to look into these things where you hold yourself back and dive into it. Yeah, and so you, again, circle back to feeling where that is in your mm -hmm. body and what goes on when you're in a situation. Having right. better body awareness yeah. is the first step, right? Yeah. And then maybe what? Like uh, folks can just start writing stuff down or or just meditating on it? Writing, meditating, hiring a coach or a therapist, someone that you really resonate with and resonates you know, with yourself. Um, I, I think having someone to talk to is just incredibly beneficial because we can get stuck in our own loop in our mind and, and look for certain things that will only prove our fears right yeah. instead of give you a different perspective. Yeah. That's, that's a big trap, right? Mm -hmm. And big, and I've been there. Like, I'm like, well, I don't need anyone's advice. You know, yeah. I got this. I got this. I can do this all on my I've own. I've done enough work on myself. Right. But then you get a bomb from someone else and you're like, oh my God, <laughs> you just crumple this whole wall yeah. down because it's so true. And so we have to really be open to, you know, the messages we get from others because they're not there 
by coincidence. They right. come for a reason, mm -hmm. you know, to teach us. We just have to pay close attention to it, which is important. Yeah, I, I always say, like, use that as your guiding star. Yeah, you exactly. know, Use that uncomfortable feeling as your guiding star. Why am I feeling this way? Yeah. Um, I, I, I will share with you something. I, I, I dated this girl a few years ago, and everything was inflammatory. You know, I thought I was cool. I thought, I'm like, yeah, you know, it's cool. It was a long distance. Everything was inflammatory. Mm -hmm. Everything that, every instance, every story, every situation. And For you or for, for her? For me. Okay. And then for her. And then for me. And then for her. Oh, yeah. And I swear it felt like four months of a tornado. Mm. We, at some point, we called it spiritual boot camp. Because yep. we knew what was happening, but it was exhausting. I bet. Like, that like, push and pull. <laughs> it was push and pull and push and pull to the point where everything stopped. And then I saw my ego trying to put all the blame on her. Mm. Everything. I was like, oh, you know, it was her. It was, everything was her. And, pff, you know, I was just cool. You yeah. know? Uh, I'm on it. But once I stopped and I took responsibility and I saw the connection between that person and the last person and the last person, I said, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. There's a common thread and I go, I'm creating this. I'm denying what these mirrors are showing me about myself that need to be healed. Right. That's huge. I think going back and looking at your past relationships and finding that common thread, what do they have in common? Mm -hmm. Right. That's going to be, it's going to give you so many answers and will help you to start get clarity on what you need to be looking at before you get into a new relationship. Because if you don't heal, I mean, we hear this all the time, but it's so true. But if you don't heal any of the traumas that are there in your past relationships, guaranteed it will still be there. You can't run away from it. Yeah, it's going can. to show its head with a different person and a different face. Yeah. Uh, and if you listen now, I, I, of course, this is your job, but me, when I listen to friends or I'll be like, I spoke to you about this years ago right. and you, you have this boyfriend, it's the same exact thing. It was different on the surface, right? It was a different bow, bow color, mm -hmm. different wrapping paper. But at the end of the day, it's the same thing. It's and it's a beautiful process, right? The universe presents you with, with something, a quick route to healing these injuries, these traumas, these things we don't want to deal with. Mm -hmm. But I'll tell you right now, those, those six months were grueling. I was like, oh, no, I don't want to deal with this. This too? Oh, man, this happened when I was in eighth grade. But once I let it go, I kid you not, I was not only attracting new partners, but new friends. Yeah. Like different vibration. Right. Which is one of the most incredible things in my life I've ever seen. Um, so I just wanted to share that with you because I knew that you would appreciate that. Yeah, it's great because it's, it's you know, if you want to find somebody in your life or you want to attract new friends or you want to have a different relationship with someone in your life, it's like, okay, go first. You go first. You do the work first yeah. and start living on a different vibration yeah. or start doing the work on yourself first and watch as your external environment and the external people that you call into your life yeah. are there because you're able to relate with them in a different way. You're able to talk about different things. You're not as closed off. You're mm -hmm. maybe more vulnerable. And so it really does connect you with different people that you I were closed that. off to yeah, before. Yeah, it, like it breaks down a wall mm -hmm. and it invites other people. And the, the most incredible thing is that the, the partner that I had after that, those same inflammatory instances came. Like, um, but it just hit me and I was like, wow, I didn't even budge, nothing happened. You didn't feel it, like I didn't fake it, I just didn't feel it and I go, I, I overcame something. Yep. I let go of something. Mm -hmm. And now I'm with a partner who we get, it's just, it's just so aligned. You know, that's beautiful. And that's incredible. Yeah. And I, I just had to share that because like, yeah, like this is what you do. Mm -hmm. And and I can't imagine how you change people's lives with the work you do. 
because it's the same deal. I know you're giving these people, you know, right in front of them going, here, look, this is what's going on. Yeah, my, my clients like to call it love slaps. Yeah. Because I am very, like, I'm usually direct, and they call it, like, little love slaps. Like, thanks for the love slap today, Whitney. I needed that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and, and, it, and it's true, and they hurt sometimes, right? Yeah. You don't want to see it. You don't want to mm-hmm. hear it. So um, let's shift a little bit. So something really that has always been interesting to me is the unconventional relationships, Mm -hmm. which I I know you talk about pretty much what is on every podcast. Yeah. It's very, people love to talk about it or hate to talk about it. One of the two. (laughs) No, I think, I think we should learn about it because my goal is that everyone, there's going to be people listening and viewing and they may have never been introduced to this, but they may go like, wait a minute, Sure. wait a minute. This is something that resonates with me. Maybe I follow through with it now, five years from now, 10 years from now. Mm -hmm. So at, at its at its forefront, what is an open relationship in general? I mean, people are going to d- define it differently. Some people say that open relationships is like a don't ask, don't tell. Some people say it's an it's you know just having sex with other people. Basically, it's it's not monogamy. You know, for me, I say an open relationship is up to the two people in the relationship to define the agreements and the boundaries that are not based on societal ideas. Um, so really this is you building your own relationship. And if that includes other people, great. And you get to decide that for yourself. I really feel like honestly, all of the terms, monogamy, non-monogamous, polyamorous, open are basically all on a continuum. You know, Mm -hmm. Dr. Tammy Nelson talks about the, the monogamy continuum, which is saying like, okay, so on one side of the continuum, you, a partner says you can't watch porn because that's cheating on me Mm -hmm. to where the other side of the continuum is, okay, if you're on a business trip, you can sleep with somebody, but you have to come home to me and I'm the, you know, main of the household. Um, and so really we're defining these terms in our own way already. And so really when it comes to open relationships or anything, it's just you defining what relationship works specifically for you and not what your parents said you should or society says or your friend or anything like that. This is up to you. This is your very intimate relationship. you got to live in this. So create whatever works and serves you and your partner the best. I think that's inspiring because what that forces you to do is know yourself and what you want. Mm -hmm. Right, because otherwise you're going to go in blindly and then be like, ah, this keeps not working for me. This monogamy thing. Right. So it, it forces you to speak up, also. Yep. Right. The clarity part is important because uh, you you sort of set the terms with your partner, which is which is hard for some people. It's right. It's so hard. Yeah. I mean, I got in. So to give you a little backstory, I was a very very jealous girlfriend or partner growing up. Yeah. Always very, very, yeah. yeah, very jealous going through phones. It was just not fun. And I kept waking up about like a year and a half into it thinking, oh, I, you know, I like you, but I'm bored and I'm going to basically find a reason not to be with you. And I would break up and I would get into a new monogamous relationship. So serial monogamy. We're not doing monogamy to at its core definition of how it started. Actually, we are going from, you know, one person our entire life to one person at a time. Maybe, mm-hmm. right? People, mm-hmm. a lot of the times, people just aren't even talking about their extracurricular activities mm-hmm. that they're having. Um, and so I was caught in this loop of feeling like something was wrong with me and like I was going to be alone forever. And I felt really sad about it. And then I was gotten to an open relationship 
And when it was presented to me, I said, absolutely not. I was in a monogamous, uh, monogamous relationship with Aubrey Marcus for two years. We split up because he wanted to be in an open relationship. And I said, hell no, I can't mm-hmm. do that. Mm-hmm. And when I was on this trip, I met somebody and had a connection with him, but I still really loved Ob. Mm-hmm. And so to me, it was that was the moment to where I figured out, oh, wow, I can enjoy somebody else and experience that, but still truly and deeply love Aubrey. And so when I came home, I said, okay, I'll try it. I didn't ah, have the answer. That was a moment, huh? Yeah, because I didn't have the answer. I, for me, I didn't know if I could be in an unconventional relationship or not. Um, so I wanted to at least try and get my answer and see what it was like. And that was five and a half years ago. Mm-hmm. And have you, is this what you do exclusively then at this point? Or you do get into mm-hmm. only open because that you found something that really resonates? Yeah, you know, it taught me more about myself than anything else. It was really something that brought up all of my triggers, all of my jealousy, all of my fears, all of my insecurities constantly. There was no way out of it. And yeah, it's hard as hell. Like I I think sometimes people think or talk about open and it's, there's no jealousy and it's free love and it's whatever. And it's like, wow, like, man, if that is how it is for you, I am freaking impressed because that is not how it is for me. There's a lot of times that it's just like, just tearing me apart. Like spiritual boot camp. Spiritual boot camp, exactly. Yeah. And but honestly, it's made me a better person. It's made me know myself more than anything. I'm a better like human daughter, friend, lover, everything just from going through this kind of transition. It's permeated to other parts of your life. Absolutely. That's amazing, mm-hmm. right? Like maybe that was one thing that was really holding back your your light. Right, yeah. the light that you're shining now for so many people who have been like, "Whoa, like I resonate with her story. Like, why, why aren't I in something like this?" Mm-hmm. You know, um, but I can truly see how difficult it would be because, oh, for sure. yeah, with my personality type, you know, and you know, growing up and Latin, Latin men tend to be very, uh-huh. you know, possessive, possessive. Yeah, so it's something that I might have struggled with when I was younger, but not at this point. But still, I can see, you know. Um, so that's that's beautiful and amazing. Now, is that different than polyamory? Yeah, so polyamory is many loves, basically. So they say that you can fall in love with many people. Okay, whereas open, you have someone you you love, love, like your See, home, that's the thing. Like, or? See, that's the thing when it comes to these labels. I feel like everyone's defining it for themselves anyway. I, um, I guess in the traditional sense, you would say like an open relationship is you have usually a primary partner yeah. and you have a don't ask, don't tell, or it is talked about, but um, you still have your primary partnership. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, polyamory is where usually there's not a hierarchy a lot of the times because everyone... Y- your love is boundless. I see. And so I can be in love with you just as much as I'm in love with somebody else. And they're both special because of their own unique um, connection between each other. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. That make, that, make, that definitely makes sense. So that's great information. This is so, I, I know the listeners and viewers are like, whoa, you know, Dr. Gonzalez well. never, <laughs> he never had a guest like this. So that, that, that's really turned really a new cool. leaf here. We turned it, but like, like I said, it is so important to address health as a whole yeah. and how can I ever preach health and just, you know, talk about popcorn, mm-hmm. you know, we have to talk about it as a whole. Who are we in our relationship to others? Um, do you see that this brings up like these triggers and demons and emotions that 
are just under the covers all our lives. Do, oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, right? yeah. I mean, one of the things that's actually really interesting that people wouldn't think is um, so my whole life I was pretty competitive with other women. And that's honestly how we are grown to believe that we should be competitive with other women. They're either going to take your man or they're going to be prettier. Or they're going to be this. They're going to take your job, whatever it is. But really, like, when you stand with your sisters hand in hand, you're so much stronger. There's Everyone has their unique superpowers. And when mm -hmm. we come together, we can create basically anything. Um, but that was not my mentality growing up. Yeah. I was always so competitive. I didn't have a whole lot of girlfriends. I always had, you know, a lot of guy friends. Um, and when I got into an open relationship, it kind of flipped that on its head completely. Yeah. Uh, because what I realized was if I was going to be competitive with the other woman or the other girl or, or partner that was coming into this relationship, it honestly caused more suffering than anything else, you mm -hmm. know, because if I'm going to be catty and I'm going to find reasons as yeah. to why I'm superior yeah. and you're inferior, yeah. um, it creates a whole lot of suffering and, and caused me more pain. And then when I kind of made that switch was like, okay, I'm going to see you as a friend, as a sister. You have feelings too. Mm -hmm. You know, you are, you're not coming in here to hurt me. You know, we're all in this together. We're doing this, trying to figure out how to create more love and more fun in the relationship. So let me see you as a friend yeah. and not as like an opponent yeah. of, of mine. And so going through that process, hell yeah, it was challenging. At first, I didn't want to talk to them at all. I kind of pretended that they weren't even there, you know. Um, but then now I am surrounded by, and some of them were his lovers and some of them weren't. But because I'm more open to cultivating, you know, friendships with women, I have a huge group of friends that I adore. And I could not imagine being in my life now without them. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's so incredible how sometimes when you don't listen to what society deems as normal, mm -hmm. how you grow and you flourish and life becomes a lot more fruitful yeah. for you, yeah. right? And trust me, there's nothing that is conventional about the things that I do, the, how I present stuff. That's why I'm a naturopathic doctor, right? Could have gone to med school, conventional, but why? Mm -hmm. You know, I just, I don't, I don't believe that defines me and vice versa. Yeah. You're paving your own path. Paving, yeah. Beautiful. Why not be pioneers in many ways? So I wanted to shift gears with, with this. This is so important. Sexual connection. Mm. Why do partner, what happens with that flame? Why is it so on fire in the beginning and then it just like, kind of like fades off. That's the, that's a rhetoric right here for some. Yeah. People. So I think, I think there's multiple things, you know, they actually have a term for that. It's called limerence, which is new relationship energy. It's kind of when you're like basically obsessed with somebody for a minute, right? Yeah. It's the new shiny thing and it's amazing. And, and your brain actually releases chemicals to want you to mm -hmm. be in that. And so I think one having that awareness, because we don't talk about that. We just talk about like, oh my God, we're a honeymoon stage and we're going to be together forever, you yeah. know? And then the honeymoon stage is over and we don't have sex yeah. and that's it. Yeah. Um, and so I think like one, having the awareness of that, that that is there. I also think, you know, yes, when you have sex with somebody over and over again, it can feel boring, but are you communicating about what you want to be doing in bed, how you can please your partner, how they can please you getting, you know, trying out new things, figuring out what you really like, what you like to do to yourself even. Mm. Um, and then the other thing is, is the fears and the insecurities, I think really kind of cut off our sexual desire a lot. So if you don't feel safe in the relationship, how are you supposed to be open 
and vulnerable in one of the most intimate spaces that you can with your partner, even yeah. though you've been with them for a while. But if there's resentments and there's anything building there under the surface, it's going to kill your sexual desire for them. It's the first thing that goes. Yeah. I've, I've, I know that. That's mm-hmm. actually, and I've heard that story so many times. It's, it's certainly the first thing that goes. Do a lot of men have issues with intimacy? I think we all have issues with intimacy. Mm. It's not even just men. You know, I think men have a challenging time talking about it, but so do women. And we all have a hard time really being vulnerable. And I don't think you can't have intimacy without vulnerability. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's very important to remember. Can you say that again? You cannot have intimacy without vulnerability. (laughs) So we have to learn how to be vulnerable. Mm -hmm. Men and women. Men and women. Yeah, we're all in this together. Yeah, learning how to be vulnerable is so, so important. Um, I really wanted to talk about that because I I, I see that. Like, you know, I have male patients and we talk about prostate health, but then Mm -hmm. we end up talking about relationships too and sexual health. Huge, huge male and female sexual health. And a lot of times it's the same thing. Like I was with my partner and we had so much more sex and we kind of don't anymore. And it faded away. So really, like you said, cultivating new approaches to make things exciting. Yeah. Right? And right, it's, it's everyone wants to know the big secret and how to do that. And it's like, well, guess what? You got to talk about it. Yeah. Communication. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> or, or maybe go to Joshua Tree and have an experience. Yeah. Or something like that. Absolutely. Right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, um, Let's 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 close with this part. I know you are pretty passionate, and I just talk, said something about Joshua Tree and psychedelics. You you're passionate about psychedelics. Mm-hmm. How important it can be in, and I am too, certainly. And in, in for our, just to knock those those boundaries and borders and egoic sponsoring thoughts that aren't even real, right. and just show you you for like a few hours. Yeah. Do you feel that that is such a powerful route into having a better understanding of who we are and relationships? Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, like you said, it, it, it shows you who you are for however long you're in the medicine space. It kind of opens that door for you and you get to peek in. Yes, there are other ways that you can reach that. You don't necessarily need an external substance to get there. Mm-hmm. But this is kind of like, a oh, let's open the window. Whoa, there's this whole world. And yeah, I do have these fears. And then you get to dive into it. And then you can take that and integrate that into your life and use other tools on top of that. And so I do feel like psychedelics personally for me have been so heart opening, so mind altering, and it's becoming a bigger conversation. It's something that, you know, MDMA is going to be legalized in, I believe, 2021. You know, mm-hmm. they're in phase three clinical trials by the FDA. Like, mm-hmm. we're getting there. Psilocybin's next. Ketamine they're using for, you know, depression, and they're going to have ketamine clinics all over the United States, all over the world. And so we are flipping this idea that psychedelics are just solely drugs yeah. and using it as beautiful, beautiful medicine. Yeah, yeah. I, I met with Rick Doblin when that was in phase one. Beautiful, and, yeah. And to see where it's where it's came. And and yeah, like let it be known, I'm a big proponent of all of these things because I see what prescription meds do to people mm. and their health and how they degrade people's health when it's unnecessary. And then I see how this could change people's mental status forever, right. their relationships in themselves forever to their partner forever. With one, I think it's like one to three like sessions, Yeah. period. Mm-hmm. And here we are handing out, you know, and I do believe that prescription medication is needed in some circumstances. Yeah. For sure, absolutely. I mean, it's it's been incredibly beneficial for me, mm-hmm. but I do feel as though there's times 
that it's okay, we need to look at these medicines yeah. that we can use one to three sessions and you're cured. Yeah. It's not something you have to do every single day. Cure. Yeah. Which cured. is incredible. <laughs> yeah. And you know, we have it in Oakland and Colorado, uh, which is incredible. It's changing the game. Mm -hmm. uh, let's hope it starts spreading. But I think that stigma needs to go. It's over. Like no more stigma. This isn't, yeah. you know, this isn't hippies just laying on the grass and not being productive in society. It's real people going deep within themselves. Absolutely. And I think honestly, there needs to be less stigma with anything and everything. You know, that's yeah. something even when it comes to sex is we have this stigma and we can't talk about it. It's like, oh my God, shh, everything has to happen behind, behind the closed doors yeah. and we can't have proper sex education because yeah. no one's, everyone's too afraid to talk about it. There are only, let me tell you, 13 states that require medically accurate sexual education. Mm. Think about that. 13 states are the only states that require medically accurate sex, sex ed. But other than that, they're just getting a bunch of whatever information. Yeah. That's crazy. It's crazy to me. And yeah. so it's like, we need to destigmatize sex. We need to destigmatize, you know, psychedelics and really start to open up these conversations because that's what helps us like really i mean we, we will be healthier individuals yeah. knowing this information and being able to talk about it more yeah i mean we when we're kids they're called private parts we got to hide them no one can see them you know right. it's a, we're like we're taught to be ashamed of our own sexuality by the age of three. Oh yeah you know and then shoot anything that had to do with sex i remember when i was little my mom ran in front of the tv and she covered it up or mm -hmm. covered my eyes up because it's just growing up in that taboo nature, right? It's something that goes on behind closed doors, mm -hmm. like the 1950s, you yeah. know? Right. And um, we have to open up that conversation. We have to be able to speak on the highest mountain and be like, I love sex. Mm -hmm. Sex is wonderful. Right. I express myself. Oh, I love mushrooms. Mushrooms are wonderful. Right. Like, um, you know, we're, we're in that day and age where, you know, who cares? It's time. Like, the cool thing is, is that we are humans. And we're so different. Each one of us are so unique and so different. So our sex lives and our relationships are just going to be as different as we are as humans. Yeah. And so I think if we get to a place to where we start to love that and accept that and see that as cool, yeah. um, it'll be a much happier world for all of us to live in because we support each other. Do you think that consciousness is changing and now people are becoming more I do. Yeah, I do. I think, you know, I... I think people are talking about this more. I think people are open to it more. I also honestly believe at this time that we're kind of in the most polarized place we've ever been. Is you that know, right? there are people who are so open and talking about psychedelics and talking about unconventional relationships and talking about, you know, anything and everything. And then we have people who are so closed off that don't want to hear anything about it. And, you know, our government doesn't even want to talk about anything. So we have this huge range of information, this huge range of people. Yeah. And now it's like, okay, what do we do here? Yeah. You know, but I do feel like the tides are, are turning. Me too. And what do we do here? Like just get in touch to who you are mm -hmm. and what you're choosing to be in that experience, right? Like, okay, yeah, I'm all about psychedelics or mm, I don't feel too good about it maybe in another year. Right. You know? Or maybe never. Like, maybe cool. Never. Maybe never. That's totally up to you. And, and it's like, I, I'm the person that, like, I do not push any sort of relationship or psychedelic or anything on anyone because this is your unique experience, and I want you to build the life that you truly want for yourself. And so I'm pro that. I don't think monogamy is for everybody. I don't think open is for everybody. I don't think poly is for everybody. And I don't think psychedelics is for everybody. Yeah. Like, figure out 
go deep, figure out exactly what you want and then live your life to the truest, you know, depth of who you are. That's why I brought you here. That's why we, we needed we needed a conversation <laughs> that can push first people walking in their path and doing it with so much light. That's what I need. That's the guess I bring on. But someone who can actually push that conversation too. Because mm. we're not living in Mamby Pamby land here. No. That's like this isn't a Mamby Pamby land podcast. You know, we are we are pioneering. We're we're setting things on fire. Yeah, I love that. That's how yes. it has to be. Why? You know, like what? we're young, right? We just have like the snap of a finger, we die. Exactly. You know, like it's a blink it's, of an eye. It's a blink of an eye. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Absolutely. Anytime. This is so much fun. Yeah, yeah. So next time you're here, we'll do part two of this. All right. Because I know there's a lot more that I wanted to know. And I know the listeners, there's going to be a good response. I know that. Great. So they're going to ask so many questions. <laughs> There'll be some triggers, I'm sure, too. Yeah. But, but, <laughs> but that's normal. Yeah. That makes for a good conversation. Exactly. And think about those triggers. Yeah. I mean, what, what is it triggering? So uh, mm-hmm. Yeah. Get, what's coming up for you in this conversation? Yeah. You know, even those are the times that you can dive into that and get a little bit curious. And that's how you know yourself more. So. Exactly. Thank you so much. You're wonderful. Wonderful. You're changing the game. I have so much admiration for you. Thank you. Thank you.